Hi, I'm Kezia. I'm a stroke survivor and a member of BIND. And hi, I'm Carrie, a stroke survivor and a member of BIND as well. And today, we are happy to welcome back Tara um, to join us on this episode. As we mentioned in one of our previous episodes, Tara is our direct development director here at BIND. And so we just kind of want to dig in a little bit deeper with her experience within our brain injury network and just the nonprofit world in general and how things kind of go together. So thanks for coming back, Tara. You're welcome. Happy to be back. Welcome to Bindwaves, the official podcast of the Brain Injury Network of Dallas. I'm Brian White, Bind's Executive Director. On each episode, we'll be providing insight into the brain injury community. We'll be talking to members and professionals regarding their stories and the important role of Bind's Clubhouse. We work as a team to inspire hope, community, and a sense of purpose to survivors, caregivers, and the public. Thank you for tuning in to Bind Waves. Let's get on with the show. So we just, again, just in case someone missed out on the previous episode or it's been a little while, just a little brief about you. Well, I am the development director for Brain Injury Network. I actually came to, this is a a good continuation of our last episode because I actually came to work for BIND after being with Alzheimer's Association for about five years. So I still have a passion for cognitive science. I uh, actually volunteered here. I came as a volunteer for Junior League of Collin County, came because we did a 40 projects and 40 celebrate 40 years kind of thing, and I chose Brain Injury Network of Dallas, the BIND Clubhouse, because I'd never heard of it. And it was tied to cognitive science. So it had me at that. I came, I helped paint walls. I met our uh, founder, Valerie Gocher. I met several of our members that are still here and stayed in touch through the newsletter and was getting the newsletter and seeing our founder out in the community. And at one point we had a conversation about having a development director position at BIND. And I said, oh, I think that's a great idea. If I can help, let me know. I'd love to do that. And then here we are. And I started officially as development director for BIND, the first development director for BIND, (laughs) three weeks before the pandemic hit. Oh, yeah. I was just remembering that as you were saying it. Yes. So I love that you brought up development director. Not only has it been hard for me and Carrie to say it out loud, (laughs) as some of our listeners may already know, but um, can you explain to that what is a development director does and like what what is it? What do we do? Yeah, what, <laughs> what do we do? do all day? Tell me every day. What do we do all day? So at the high level, what a development director does in this position, and it's a little bit different with every organization, mostly nonprofit organizations and some um, education institutions also have development directors. So our role is to connect the community in every facet that, that exists, whether it's individuals, it's a group, it's a corporation, um, whatever that looks like to the work of and the mission of, of, in our case, BIND, Brain Injury Network, in whatever way works best for that organization. So if it's an organization or a municipality or the state has grants, then what I do is facilitate how we can work with them to receive funding, but also build awareness and resources for the members that we serve. Same thing with corporations. Corporations are not big entities to themselves. They're made up of a lot of individuals 
that make decisions about what the company's going to do or not do. And so my role is to interface with them, find opportunities for us so that they can invest in our work and mission not only financially, but also with volunteers, also with in-kind donations, also for showing up at Synapse Labs and helping <laughs> us carry jugs of water. So it's each person and each entity separately. I put together an overall plan and work with our executive director and the board of directors on how we're going to achieve our budget and fundraising goals for the year, and then we work that plan. So I help lead that work, but also recruit others to help make that happen. So that looks like individual giving, uh, major gifts, which means gifts that are uh, from sort of in our range, it's more like $5,000, $10,000 and up gifts, companies, corporate sponsors, grants, those things. I so, love hearing all those words. I know. Exciting. <laughs> <laughs> and we we know from your last how you got into the cognitive aspect of it, but how did you get involved into the fundraising and the nonprofit world? I mean, that's totally different kind of world than, you know, corporate America. So how did, did you get that involved for that way? Does that I make did, sense? I did not expect to do that. So as we talked a little bit offline earlier, my intention was to get my psych degree and I have a degree in literature to, uh, to get a clinical PhD in uh, cognitive science. And I decided to take a year off and go into the social work world. I got a job working for the family place as volunteer coordinator in a domestic violence organization. And so I was uh, building and running all of their volunteer program and also all of their databases, which is another thing I do here is help manage and structure the way that we approach data because that's what supports our work going forward. And I was one of those people that had too many good ideas. Our development department would be doing something, and I'd say, hey, how about doing that? Or what do you guys think about this? And so they lifted my department and put me under development <laughs> and said, we want her over here. And then my next position was development director for another uh, nonprofit domestic violence organization. And I've been a development director or an executive director or a strategic director or whatever that is since at this point 1995 oh wow wow since 1995 that's pretty cool i think right now we were also just wondering like how what does it take to be like a person like you like what is it, <laughs> what are the skills that we need to develop and we need to get better at and we need to have to be like a development director and i think right now you've been like talking about it really well like writing researching reaching out to people but also like talking to really important it, it is. Right? Yeah. yeah. I would say um, number one is be goal oriented because even though what we do is kind of touchy feely and we're out, we're doing events and we're talking to people, ultimately we have a budget to meet and exceed. Right. And if we are not successful, then the lights go off and the doors close. And we're mm -hmm. very aware of that. Usually there's a lot of other people involved in that. And there are in our organization too, but it's being directly focused on we have to to do this, but then it's taking a step back from that intense focus and stress <laughs> uh, sometimes and realizing it's one person by one person by one person, one company, one grant, putting everything you have into it and meeting every person or every company where they are. So our role isn't to just say, this is behind, this is what we do and I wanna tell you about it. It's sitting down with somebody and saying, tell me about you. Tell me why you care. What does your company do? What does your company care about? What does your organization care about? 
and then being able to make the connection between what we do and what they do. But I can't help do that if I don't know about them. So it's learning about them and then it's being very organized to be able to keep us on track with making sure all of those little projects are moving forward. Writing and communications is a huge part of what I do. Somebody asked me a couple of weeks ago, what do you do the most of? And I said, I write about a third of the day, whether it's grant reports, grant applications, marketing communications, letters, emails to people, nice notes. That's a, that's a huge part of it. Wow. So I know we've already heard about like how you got involved with Bind, and I kind of remember, I think you and your husband maybe helped paint our serenity room. We did. I specifically remember that. I don't know why, but I do. But so what really drew you to us that you were like, I want to go work for them. I'm going to make sure I stay in touch. So I'll get, I'll be personal on this. All right, you guys, I'm getting personal. <laughs> yes, so personal. I loved, I loved working for Alzheimer's Association. I had very different roles there. And my last role was director of corporate engagement for all of basically North, Northeast Texas and the Dallas area function of the Alzheimer's Association. But companies were working remote. So I, I didn't get the one-on-one. I didn't get to be out in the community talking to caregivers anymore, talking to people that were living with the disease, talking to the community about how to get involved. I was, I, ironically, isolated working from home without ever leaving, and that was not a good place for me to be because that's not a core part of who I am. And I got y'all's newsletter, and it was the newsletter following the Synapse Labs. I have a, actually have a copy of it, and it was uh, March of 2017. And the mini ponies were there, no. and you guys <laughs> did, a, did a Synapse Labs, but it was just what was going on in the clubhouse. And every time I read it, I thought, oh, I want to do that. And the next time I saw Valerie out in the community, I said, I love what you guys do. I love what you guys do. And that's why I said, if you ever need you know, help with development or just need you know, to run stuff by somebody, I love what you guys do. And I'd love to help be a part of that. And eventually, I was. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And we're happy for that. Yeah, we are really happy. <laughs> um, I actually was going to ask you, what is the best thing that you like about working at Bind and working with us and for us here too and I was gonna be like is it the pony it's not the ponies <laughs> okay. it's not the it's the it's the people not the ponies I need a t-shirt that says <laughs> we wait we went we, we make t-shirts we can do that we can do that it's that any this is very creative work whether it's writing or it's coming up with events or it's you know do everything that we do and to do that in isolation is very difficult and almost impossible. And even to do it with a small team is almost impossible when you have your development staff. So being able to come into the clubhouse and work with the members and the staff and the volunteers and the board members, it's everything I do is because of what I get from you guys. When we see a campaign or we do an event or we do something different that's in fundraising, there's a piece of every member that's ever interacted with me for that project, in that project. And it's always about we, and mm-hmm. it's not about me. And I love having the opportunity to be in that creative environment. You guys are amazing. Well, thank you. I'm going to take a quick little break and remind our listeners to go ahead and click that like button and that share button and keep listening. I'm going to turn back to you. It's kind of the same, along the same role. Um, you mentioned a little bit, you, the role here at Bind is a little different than some of your other roles in the nonprofit world. Speaking about you know how all of the members get involved in as much as everything as they can, um, how is that different? Do other, I guess, in Alzheimer's, you know, I guess the patients in Alzheimer's probably can't contribute 
the way our members can contribute to help you in the fundraising world or with campaigns that you're talking about. I mean, how is it different? How is it different? So Alzheimer's Association, like some of the other organizations, I've worked for United Way, I've worked for Girl Scouts, Holocaust Museum, a lot of a lot of the sort of bigger organizations mm-hmm. where you're not really working directly with those you're serving. You're fundraising, and then those funds are going to other entities that are serving those people. What's interesting about Alzheimer's Association, and one of the reasons I loved it, is because we actually did have um, on our board of directors and with an advisory council, those who were newly diagnosed and early in the disease Um. process and living with the disease. So a little bit similar to Clubhouse, I didn't get to see them all the time, but they influenced and informed every decision that we made and were involved in that. And then the families and those who were living with the disease for walk, for longest day, for events, for community campaigns, they were out there. Those are, that's the 10,000 people walking in Dallas. It's not the staff. It's, it's those that are living with it. Sure. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. And I think like right now you were mentioning how it's just different that they were being partaking in all the big decisions mm-hmm. it was really cool to hear that because that's that's kind of how we do it here right like <laughs> yeah. we're over here running the world and like honestly like working with you and learning so much from with with you from you so many times so that's awesome what is the, one of the biggest challenges though like working within the nonprofit organizations especially like here with us find what are some challenges that you face like frequently <laughs> i would say one of the hardest things to uh, we, uh, we were called a small shop, so we're a small nonprofit, and I'm the only development staff, even though the executive director also does development, the board does development. And honestly, the, all of the staff and all of us together, the way we do it here is we all come together mm-hmm. to do the projects. But we are at the mercy of those who make decisions about funding. So, for example, when I started on February 28th, 2020, and three weeks later we shut down our funding corporate, most of it went away. Even the funding from our largest grants went away. That was unprecedented in history. A lot of nonprofits didn't make it. They went under. And we made it, which is huge. We made it with the support of our amazing team and the community and our clubhouse members and their families. But it's the unpredictability of those funders. And so the greatest challenge is to make sure that we are balanced in all areas as much as we can be. So if we were to lose funding in one because of somebody's decision or a company goes mm-hmm. under or whatever that a pandemic, please not again, <laughs> um, that we're able to stay afloat and we're able to keep moving. Yeah. So like, well, also, I think it's also really cool that you were just saying that because it was really difficult for everyone. And I mean, I remember we just met you with like one day and the next day we didn't see you ever again. But you really do work with us and we hear about you and like always take you into your ideas also kind of like match with our ideas and we work together. So that's also really cool. But I also was learning like or under wondering what have you learned from us? Because I feel like we learn from you all the time. But what do you learn from um, brain injury survivors that you would like to share with our listeners? I learn from each of you every time I'm here. So certainly there's the overall understanding, deepening and understanding of brain injury, acquired brain injury. The effects are different with every survivor. The impact is different with every survivor. It's one thing to study neuroplasticity and take tests on it and, and understand that concept, but to see it in reality is um, absolutely amazing, and I am humbled 
every time I come in the clubhouse to see the work that you guys are doing. And I'm so proud of every member that we have. I think uh, one of the one of the pivotal moments is we were in a board meeting and we have a member that we have members that serve on the board and we were thinking about a campaign that was goal oriented and I asked the question of a of a member, um, what do you remember being your goal when you first had your injury and what is your goal now? And he said, My first goal was to be able to remember yesterday. Mm-hmm. And now my goal is to recruit as many board members as I possibly can. And that actually made me go home and cry because I was like, that, that's how you impact me. You teach me the reality of living with it, right. overcoming it, and uh, impacting others. And that's something that no textbook or clinical course can teach. And it's a person by person by person. That's true. Yeah. Um, so talking about um, the pandemic and getting back and we're, our budget's all pretty good right now, I think going to say it is anyway. Um, what are some of the accomplishments that you've been able to help bind with since you've been here that you're super proud of? Or that? One of the things that's behind the scenes is structural, and I don't think a lot of people are aware of this and because it just moves forward. So my background coming into nonprofit was at IBM and data. So I that data computer science piece is carried through with me my entire career, and so I come in and I look at data. How are we structured as an organization? And as a nonprofit, we look at why are we here? What are we doing? Why are we doing it? How are we tracking it? Are we being successful? And how do we report that? Because if we can't, it's called a logic model. If we can't report that, then we may not, we may be muddy on what are we doing and is it effective? And one of the things that we've done since I've been here is partner with Center for Nonprofit Management and go through a CN Impact program funded by Alliance Data to re, to take a look at every single aspect of, of BIND and take a look at each of those pieces and those measures and to work with the staff and to work with the board to define those and redefine those so that we do know exactly why we're here, why we do it, is it effective, how are we measuring it, and how are we reporting it. Honestly, if we didn't have the pandemic, I don't know that we would have been able to take a step back and look at operations in such a deep way and make the structural changes that we had to make, but we did it, and that's where, why we're here now, and that puts us in a much stronger position for funding and just to even explain what we do and why we do it. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah. So as we're kind of talking about that, I know, and it helps to know, like, that data. Like, if X many members live in XYZ City, we have better data, like you said, to go to XYZ City and say, these people are in your city, in your community, and are giving back, and this is how you can give back, mm-hmm. right? And that's the big picture kind of thing, along with the grants and other things that you write. But... In general, for our listeners, if they wanted, they work for a big company and they wanted to get involved at a corporate sponsorship level or just an individual level, I mean, what are options out there for just the average person, our listeners, our subscribers that may want to get involved, not just giving money to buy Yeah, Money is always most important, but it's not always the only thing needed. Correct? Absolutely. We look at, in development world and in nonprofit world, we look at time treasure and talent and that looks great on a t-shirt but it's not it's actually real so some people are able to give their time and for us we have volunteers give 3,000 plus hours of their time to do the work that we do in the clubhouse every year we could not function 
without that. We could not function without the time given to us by the board of directors and the other volunteers. The treasure is financial support, and uh, we, we do need that and appreciate that and need that to go forward. But the other thing that we need is talent, and that's something that our program team and our program directors are always looking for. Even with this podcast, we are looking for people that have technical support capabilities that know about podcasts to just help train us and help provide a little bit of maybe a couple of hours a month or maybe a couple of hours once or twice a year. So the talent is not just you're donating your time as a, you know, as a baker to bake cookies for us. It's also what are the skill sets that you have as an individual that you can can give to us and work with us on. And it's a, again, it's an individual basis. What what do you have to offer and how might that fit with what we need? Okay. Well, thank you so much. I hope all our listeners have listened to you this last little bit and become supporters of BIND, uh, the nonprofit organization <laughs> that we are all working on for right now here, listening and actually doing the podcast. So thank you so much for coming, Tara. Thank you so much. And thank you all to, for all of our listeners for listening. Yes, and remember, if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at bindwaves at thebind.org or check us out on our website at thebind.org slash bindwaves. And one I don't think we've mentioned before, we do have a Facebook page, Brain Injury Network, so go check that out and like and follow us on there as well. Yes, and all the information to becoming sponsors and being active with Bind will be shared on the description of this episode. So make sure to check that out. And obviously, don't forget to like, share, subscribe to all of your favorite platforms and especially YouTube. Make sure to check out YouTube, follow us, click that button and uh, listen to us every Thursday. So until next time. Until next time. We hope you've enjoyed listening to Bind Waves and continue to support Bind and our nonprofit mission. We support brain injury survivors as they reconnect into the life, the community, and their workplace. And we couldn't do that without great listeners like you. We appreciate each and every one of you. Continue watching. Until next time. Until next time.